RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. Healthcare delivery has shifted from one of blame-seeking to a more enlightened and sophisticated understanding of a modern, complex system. That's according to Dr Mark O'Brien, who is a passionate advocate of quality and safety in healthcare. He says it's important to minimise the mistakes people make, as well as to have systems and cultures that are safe. Dr O'Brien is an Associate Fellow and Program Director of the Oxford Healthcare Leadership Program at the SAID Business School, University of Oxford. But that's not all he does. As he explains to Chris Ashmore, his plate is quite full these days. I often joke that I'm semi-retired and I only work 50 hours a week now, but um, I also have an adjunct chair at the School of Business Economics and Law at the University of Queensland, and I'm on the board of St John of Cod Healthcare Australia, which, as you know, runs uh, hospitals across large parts of Australia. I do some board education work for the Australasian Institute of Clinical Governance, and I do some consultancy work as well for Cognitive Institute, an organisation that I founded uh, some years ago and also for the Medical Protection Society in the UK. So it's a lovely eclectic mix and it uh, manages to keep me busy and out of my wife's hair. (laughs) Busy enough, it sounds like. Can you uh, tell me, you started as a rural GP, can you tell us about your career path? Yeah, well, Chris, um, I trained uh, through sort of the prototype rural doctors training program on the Darling Downs in Queensland and... um, Then did some surgical training in the UK and came back to the Downs and was there for uh, really up until about 2000 and um, was a very passionate rural proceduralist country GP and loved it very much. But I was invited to get involved in the training program for country GPs and as the College of Rural Medicine was forming and also had a role within the College of GPs. And that sort of took me down the sort of education, leadership development, risk management pathway. And uh, eventually I started an organisation called Cognitive Institute, which was a bit of a hobby, really. I thought there was a need to focus on the non-technical side of healthcare. And I started writing courses, and much to my surprise, uh, along with my brother, we built a really interesting organisation, and we ended up spreading our work across about 25 countries, and we've had hundreds of thousands of doctors and dentists and nurses do our courses across the world, and we were acquired by the Medical Protection Society in the UK, and so I eventually had senior roles with them. So I've done a lot of travelling around mainly the Commonwealth countries and working in hospitals and healthcare groups and really had a wonderful and sort of rewarding career. And I often maintain my initial training and all my years in country general practice prepared me well because you're a bit of a generalist and sort of master of nothing and uh, still feel like that. (laughs) And I always love variety and um, being involved with business schools at Oxford and the University of Queensland on the healthcare business side of things I really enjoy. And uh, I'm very passionate about clinical governance and... uh, very passionate about healthcare leadership and what we need to do to develop it. So, yeah, I feel a very fortunate man. I've had a wonderful, wonderful life. Mark, did you grow up in the bush? Uh, No, actually. I grew up mainly in Brisbane, but uh, we had friends who had a, a farm in northern New South Wales and we used to holiday down there. And I did a lot of my medical school terms as soon as I had the chance to sort of do attachments, I went to the country. And 
sort of felt very early on that I would love to be a country doctor and um, just love the variety. And yeah, we had a, a farm and did the whole rural doctor thing. It was wonderful. So you still have a passion for rural health? Yeah, look, to, to the extent that I can, Chris, uh, we actually live in country Queensland, so we live on the New South Wales-Queensland border, and uh, I managed to do, thanks to COVID, a lot of my work over Zoom. Obviously, travelling is starting to happen again now, so I s- seem to have a, a much fuller travel schedule in the next six months than I've had in the last two years. But thanks to COVID, really, I've been able to just move online for a lot of my work where people would have expected a face-to-face experience three years ago. Now they're very happy for me to do it from country Queensland. So, And obviously uh, I mentioned I'm on the board of St John of God Healthcare and they're a wonderful group of people and they provide fantastic care, as you know, in rural Victoria and New South Wales and WA. So I have that connection through that and I'm still a fellow of the College of Rural Medicine and uh, keep up all my... CME requirements, so I stay in touch with that side of things. And obviously a passionate advocate for training in leadership for rural and regional, particularly doctors. Mm. Well, in terms of quality and safety in healthcare, which you're also an advocate for, in your career, Mark, what improvements have you seen in this area? Look, probably the biggest shift, Chris, has been the shift away from what we call the culture of blame which was essentially every time something goes wrong, we've got to find someone to blame. And I think we've got a far more enlightened view now about, you know, the complex adaptive system that is modern healthcare delivery. People far more expert than me have actually wondered at times whether modern healthcare is actually deliverable. We've actually made it so complex Mm. (laughs) that it's almost impossible for people to actually conceptualise what we're trying to do at times. And I'm not even sure we can even agree on what a good result is. You know, if you get health economists and politicians and clinicians and healthcare executives in a room. It's actually, we, we know that it's about the patient, but, but then how you get there is often a, a debate. So I think we've got a far more sophisticated understanding of complexity. And I think that flows through into realising that improving quality and safety. Yes, of course, you know, we want to minimise the number of mistakes people make, but we also need to work in safe systems and we need to have safe cultures. And You know, we've learned a lot from industries like aviation and the nuclear industry, but they're not as complex and not as adaptive as healthcare is. And so I think we're creating a whole discipline now of leadership in healthcare because it's now the world's largest industry. And yet, if you look at the leadership development by any other business standard or industry standard, it's really, I would say, primitive. So there's a huge path of work ahead for people long after I'm gone to actually articulate the science of healthcare leadership and to then make sure that it's implemented at really, really high levels of quality and particularly create an environment where being a healthcare leader is aspired to and is something that people want to become. Mm. So you're optimistic about the future? Oh, absolutely. I see these young clinicians who, you know, I have the privilege of seeing them not just in Australia, but obviously in many countries and different cultures across the world. I think what impresses me is I often say that the shift that's happening between old doctors like me, we had a very vocational model and there were lots of wonderful things about that. But I see our youngsters embracing in one sense a more professional model of what it means to be a clinician. And, you know, there's swings and roundabouts with both approaches, but in the professional model, there's a lot more attention to the way in which teams work, the way in which systems work, 
the need to actually design for quality rather than just throw it onto an individual and hope that they'll do their best, which was very much the model I felt that we were raised in. And so, yeah, I'm extraordinarily optimistic. I think particularly in the West, the models of healthcare leadership were developed for, you know, acute crises, you know, warfare, global pandemics, infections. And so this was very much, you know, the heroic model of the doctor running in or the nurse running in, saving a life and then moving on to the next one. In the West, the incredible burden that we face in the next 15 to 20 years of of disease and demand is going to come from chronic diseases where we know that the best outcomes are delivered by often a team of 15 or 20 people working over years and years to keep people well. And that model requires a different type of leadership, a different type of negotiation skills, different type of funding models, different metrics. So all of these things are what make me incredibly excited because I see machine learning, artificial intelligence contributing to that. Uh, What we have to make sure is that we don't lose the wisdom of uh, older clinicians and people who understand the system as we implement this amazing new way of working and being in healthcare. Now, you've provided advice and training around the world. Are there any common threads that you've found regardless of the country you're in? Yeah, just awesome people. The thing I love about healthcare, you just meet these incredibly passionate people who, you know, the media loves to bag every group, you know, the lawyers get a hit, the doctors get a hit, you know, the politicians get a hit. But, you know, whether it's Malaysia or Ireland or whatever country I'm working in, you just meet these incredible doctors, nurses, healthcare administrators who are just working so hard to deliver the best that they can with always insufficient resources. I don't think any country can actually afford the resources needed to deliver the healthcare that the population expects. Uh, There's a recent report that's come out in Australia that's predicting that, you know, we could end up employing 50% of the population in healthcare. Well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. So, you know, I think we're going to always be living in a resource-constrained environment in healthcare, no matter which country we live in. So the question is, how do we do the best we can in that system given that governments and politicians and funders are making compromises between how much do you spend on education, healthcare, making sure the roads work, making sure, you know, we've got safe water, safe electricity, all those sorts of things, climate change. So I'm just continually amazed by these great people who turn up and do their best. The other thing that's probably on the negative side is we're still seeing in every country too much what we would refer to as unwarranted variation. We are still seeing a lack of reliability. Now, you know, we're not McDonald's and we're not Qantas. We can't just produce the same product over and over again. We operate under different paradigms and and have different variables and often variables that we can't control. But, you know, it is sobering when you look at whatever country, you know, the variation between the best and the worst is higher than it should be. And a lot of that we know is not necessarily due to the technical ability of the clinicians. It's actually around things like their behaviours, their teamwork, their professionalism, the way in which the system is constructed. So we can train people to be great technicians, but I think if we use an aviation analogy, most of us like to fly on well-regarded safe airlines, and it's not just because they have good pilots. It's because we actually trust their whole system and we know that the variation between operators is very low. In healthcare, we haven't quite got there yet. 
And in some places, we actually have really very significant variation that would be hard to justify on financial or even ethical grounds. Dr. Mark O'Brien. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.